Diversity is God's heart. So when we sing songs in different languages, it's as if we're speaking the language of heaven. For God so loved the world. Everybody, everywhere, every culture, every language, every race. And so I wanted to just give you a taste of what it means to hear English and French. That said, would you bow your heart with me, please, as I pray. Father, we come before you with open hearts, open minds, receptive to learn, to grow, to become wonderful followers of Jesus that are exemplary. So I ask that you anoint me, that I may be able to help facilitate the goals that you have for this message. In Christ's name, amen. I want to talk with you about a very delicate topic today. It's titled, The Mentally Healthy Family. The news, the media, it's in front of us almost every day, the mental health collapse of so many people. And so I wanted to just see and show you what the Bible has to say about that. In fact, open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 6. We're going to camp out there today. Your mental health is of profound impact and value, not only to you and to your family, but also to the broader society and to the kingdom of God. Jesus had just finished a series of meetings. Signs, wonders, miracles occurred. Thousands were impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit through his life. And so I want you to join them right now. Mark 6, verse 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, he, that's Jesus, said to them, that's his disciples, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Though the disciples were not the principal speaker or the primary leader, they were still giving out emotionally, engaged in the work of ministering to people. And though you may not be clergy or you may not be even working in one of the service professions, whether a physician, a nurse, whether it's someone in the restaurant industry. I want you to understand, when you have a family, you give out emotional energy. And Jesus was very concerned about the, the spiritual and the mental health of his disciples. And so what he was telling them is this, don't just soldier on after you've gone through a series of work or extended time of ministry. See, your mental health requires care. There must be a sense of resilience where you bounce back by renewing yourself, recharging yourself, because you have to do the things that are preventative so that you can experience wellness, so that your ministry is sustainable. And it's not just ministry, it's also just family life. And I want you to be aware of that. And I'm so thankful that we today, we're starting to talk about the topic of mental health. And I love what Fred Rogers, author and television personality, once said. Anything that's human is mentionable, and anything that is mentionable can be more manageable. When we can talk about our feelings, they become less overwhelming, less upsetting, and less scary. And so we're going to talk today about how do you feel? How's your family doing in terms of your mental health. I love when I get around older, wiser, more seasoned ministers. They ask me questions like, David, how's Marlinda? 
How are your daughters? How's your son-in-law? How's the church? When you get around the young whippersnappers, they ask questions like, you know, which guest speaker have you had recently? Oh, what is the size of your congregation? You can see that they really don't have their finger on the pulse of things that are enduring. I want us now to go back to the text of Mark 6.31 and let us dig out tips that Jesus gave his disciples to help them really have emotionally healthy life, a mentally healthy lifestyle. Let's look again. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I want to offer you three tips from Jesus' statement to his disciples because I believe Jesus is speaking to us today through that same passage of Scripture. Three tips that will help you develop a strong, healthy, mental health for your family. Tip number one, set limits. The Scripture says they didn't even have a chance to eat. See, limits are boundaries that ensure that you're not always in performance mode, work mode, school mode, that you're not always in the doing mode, the business mode. You're, you're able to set boundaries, limits. It's almost like put a wall in place, some, a therapeutic wall that says, I can't take another patient. I can't see another person. I can't respond to another email. I can't have another meeting. Not right now. I'm not in the right place mentally and so I'm setting limits. Jesus was saying to his disciples, guys, I don't want you to just soldier on. I want you to stop because if you're not able to eat, that means do the normal daily things that human beings require. Eat, sleep, exercise. If you're not, if you're not able to do those things, that means that the limits that should be in your life are not there. It means, Houston, we have a problem. I love what Charlotte Erickson, a noted author, once said. Take a shower. Wash off the day. Drink a glass of water. Make the room dark. Lie down and close your eyes. Notice the silence. Notice your heart. Still beating. Still fighting. You made it, after all. You made it. Another day. And you can make it one more. You're doing just fine. What Charlotte was telling us is this. There must be limits in your life where you can be able to say that my work day has come to a close. I need moments where I can be able to recharge. Jesus was telling his disciples, guys, there's always going to be people that are needy. There's always going to be another miracle that must be worked. There's always going to be another person that's in need of prayer. There's always going to be another person that's in need of wisdom and insight because they're going through a complex time in their lives. Jesus was not trying to simplify or reduce or devalue the needs of people. He was just simply telling his disciples, make sure you build into the structure of your life limits that you set. As if it were a line you draw and say, that's a line, that's a boundary I'm drawing. And that boundary says, I don't want to go past it 
and I don't want anyone else to pass it. In other words, pay attention to the interior part of your life, the fuel that you need in your soul. It's so important. Jesus was teaching his disciples, avoid burnout. Don't let your mental health be compromised where you will not be the best you, the, the, the real you, the one that I call to help me serve people. You will not be that if you don't avoid burnout. You may ask, what exactly is burnout? Let me define it. Burnout means physical or mental collapse caused by overwork or stress. Burnout. In other words, you're, you're listless. You're not who you are supposed to be. You've burnt out. Years ago, my family, my wife, our two daughters, we had a little Yorkie. And we called the dog Star. And my daughters and wife, I mean, they, they cuddled that little dog. Me, I just kept my distance. But they cuddled that dog, they kissed the dog, they bought all these cute little outfits for the dog. I was the one tasked to take the dog to the vet. And here's Star, wintertime Star had a pink coat on. I mean, the, the coat, uh, I thought the coat looked nice. And so I'm taking the dog to the vet because the dog was seeming a little bit listless. And the vet said to me, Sir, your dog is experiencing stress. I said, Stress? All that dog does is lay there and eat food and get cuddled and get kissed by my wife and daughters and look at the coat, look at the nice coat. What stress? <laughs> we laugh together. But I still don't understand what precipitated stress for the dog. But the dog must have been at the verge of burnout. I guess too much of a good thing. But, but, but the idea is that, and I must be serious now, because mental health can't be compromised in our lives. And what Jesus was telling his disciples, guys, avoid burnout. Now, there are signs for burnout. And if you're able to monitor your interior life, it's almost like looking at a dashboard of your car. You can see when an indicator comes on or just looking at the needles on the car, it lets you know if everything in the engine of the car is fine. Same way, there's signs in your soul. And when you look at it, Burnout's very real. There are things that happen. Some things increase inside of you. Other things decrease inside of you. And watch the level because those are indicators that you're on the verge of burnout. For example, there's an increase of cynicism. You know, a sarcastic, jaded, cynical, skeptical perspective. And you see it by your words. A.W. Tozer once said, What makes the cynical spirit particularly dangerous is that the cynic is usually right. His analyses are accurate. His judgment sound. Yet for all that, he is wrong, frightfully, pathetically wrong. And so I want you to guard, watch signs. If you're becoming more and more cynical, you're verge, on the verge of burnout. There's a decrease of creativity. Your emotional exhaustion has sapped your creative energy. You're not losing your touch. You just need to stop, set limits so you can recharge. There's an increase of exhaustion. You feel tired all the time. 
This can be felt in the areas of mental, emotional, spiritual exhaustion. Sometimes it's the anxiety level. Sometimes you're watching too much news stories that's negative and negative and negative and the COVID pandemic and watch out for this and the feelings of anxiety. You wake up after a full night's sleep and you're still exhausted and it's because you need certain actions in your life and I'll get to those in a moment. But you see there's also not only an increase of exhaustion, there's a decrease of empathy. You stop having the same level of compassion and care like you once did. There's an increase of mistakes in your job, in your schoolwork, attention to detail. There's a decrease of motivation. You don't have the same enthusiasm as you did before. And so I want you to then be able to monitor. In other words, look at the dashboard of your life and recognize, hey, you know the things that drain you. You know when you are close to being empty. You understand that. Many years ago, when my oldest daughter was an undergraduate at Rutgers, I drove on Rutgers campus to visit Danielle. And about just two minutes on the campus property, I get flagged down by a security officer. And he's just flagging me down. And I figured, what did I do? I was, was I speeding or something? And when I rolled down my window, the officer said, sir, you didn't do anything wrong, but... Do you see that car in front of you on the right of the road? The driver ran out of gas. We're not allowed to leave the campus because we have to stay here and be on duty. But the driver, a woman that works on our campus, she actually has one of those red containers to carry gas. Would you mind taking her to the nearby gas station? It's less than a quarter mile away. I said, sure. So the lady jumps into my car. She's sitting in the front passenger seat. And so I strike up a conversation with her. And she's sitting there in her lap. She has the red container. And I said, I'm glad that you have this container. She said, oh, I'll carry it with me all the time. Because I run out of gas quite often. And I'm always prepared. I'm always prepared. And when she said that, it was like uh, I got transported back to the days when I was a boy watching cartoons, when the cartoon character wanted to say something bad, he can't because kids are watching it. And so this bubble comes over his head, uh, and then words and asterisks you know, fill the, the cloud. And that's what happened in the car. This cloud came over my head, and these uh, geometric figures filled it. In other words, I'm saying to myself, this woman's an idiot. You know that your, 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 your dashboard tells you, the indicator says, you're low on gas. But you are driving around because you have this red container in your trunk. You're just risking it so you can run out of gas. And then you said you, you're prepared and you think that's clever. Let me ask you the question when it comes to your mental health. Are you running around with a red container in your soul saying that if I ever get burnt out, at least I have a container I can go and get help. No, that's not how you're supposed to function. Jesus tells us, set limits. Question, do you have these boundaries in your life that are very clear, that are very defined, that you've intentionally put them there so you can be able to say, I'm guarding my mental health. If you don't have them, before this day is over, come up with certain limits and set them. Let's go back to our text. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves 
to a quiet place and get some rest. What was the tip Jesus was offering his disciples to ensure their mental health was secure? He was saying, take breaks. See, when you take breaks, you recognize the sacred rhythm of God that there's a work and rest cycle. Jesus was teaching his disciples that they must take rest. I know you guys want to help people. I know there are people around. Bible says the crowd was there. And so they were flocking to Jesus' ministry. And it's very tempting when people clamor for you and want to have an audience with you. But Jesus was saying to his guys, guys, don't violate the sacred rhythm of God. Work, rest, work, rest. Has to be a cycle. Work, rest, work, rest. That rhythm must be there. I remember this lumberjack, big buff guy. The company had hired another lumberjack and was paying him a lot more money than the big buff guy. And the guy that they just hired, he's just, he's a little guy. And so the, the big buff lumberjack said, look, I don't know why you're, you're, you're getting so much more money than everybody else. I challenge you to a woodcutting contest. And so the, young, the, the little guy said, okay, sure. And they started just chopping and chopping at their respective sections of the forest and cutting the wood. And at the end of the day, the little guy had cut far more wood than the big guy. And the big guy scratched his head and said, I, I don't get it. All I saw you was sitting over there taking breaks all the time. And the little guy said, what you didn't see was when I was taking breaks, I was sharpening my axe. See, I want you to understand, Jesus was telling his guys, take breaks. The work cycle represents your work, your school, and even your parental obligations. Because my topic is the mentally healthy family. And so I want you to see that there has to be this sacred rhythm. Now think about it. When you see the work cycle rhythm, or what I call this, this life's sacred rhythm, you must see then that with work, there comes the performing of duties. I mean, you have a job. Or if you're a student, you have schoolwork. And you have to produce results. There's a constant expectation. In other words, performance. What did you do for me lately? Where's the work output? Let me see your grades. Then there's a progressing in life. When you deal with progress in life, that's where parenting comes in. You're nurturing your child or your children. You're spending time with them to make sure that they become developmentally the kind of kids and the, ultimately the kinds of adults that bring honor to the kingdom of God and you're proud of. And so I want you to see how this whole idea of work cycle is very important. Just this past month, October 4th, 2021, the Wall Street Journal, they wrote an article titled, Burnt Out? Maybe you should care less about your job. They were raising the problem that this COVID pandemic that causes so many people to work virtually or work from home, that the work life is so encroached on the home life that the home life is blurred. And most people just are constantly working. 
And so their emails are checking, the, the Teams message, the, the Zoom meetings, and some have, have, to, have had to say, time out, no more, no more. You know why? Because many people started quitting their jobs because they were saying, I don't have time for my family. I don't have time for me. I don't have time to rest. And the writer so astutely pointed out questions that readers must ask themselves if they find themselves in this trap of never-ending work cycle. Is this real? That's the question. Is this real? This is where I am, what's going on in terms of work and encroaching on family life. Is this really a thing that is a part of my job? In other words, the assignment that's being asked of me, is it really a part of my job? Do I really have to do it? And so when you ask yourself those questions, you're going to find that it's going to help you set limits and recognize, wait a second, your life should not be totally just work. You may say, well, I enjoy my work, but you're still violating God's sacred rhythm. It may sound good right now, but it's not going to continue for much longer. And you may get all the people in your family angry at you because you're always there in front of your screen or always absorbed at work. You're sitting at the dining room table, and instead of eating dinner and having family conversations, you're checking your cell phones. Why not, like some families, have a basket and all the cell phones go into the basket or all the cell phones go into another room, all turned off, all turned on, vibrate, and you can sit and just enjoy family? In other words, what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples is this. Guys, there's a sacred rhythm. Work, rest. Work, rest. And so even the noted Simone Biles, the legendary gymnast, her mental health collapsed and the world wept as they saw this historic figure of a woman in the 2020 Olympics just say, you know, I, I can't do it. And what she said in interviews was this, I was experiencing the twisties. There's this term that's used in the world of gymnastics. It's a feeling of being lost when the gymnast is up in the air and doing the twists and the turns and the spins. They get disoriented and they forget where they are in the particular twist or turn. And as a result, it puts them in a very dangerous place. So Simone Biles, as good as she was, she recognized, wait a second, I'm burnt out. My mental health has collapsed. Why? Because she violated the very cycle. Work, rest. I want to show you the rest part of this cycle because you need to recognize it. The rest cycle allows you to take breaks and rejuvenate. What do you do during the rest cycle? Get away. That's what you do. Change your physical surroundings. That's what Jesus was saying. Guys, come with me. In other words, get away. You know, you know, listen to your heart and ask yourself questions. Who am I? Who am I becoming? Who do I want to become? These are penetrating questions, probative, reflective questions that happens when you take a break. I remember when you deal with the issue of getting away, there was a period, of, it was last year actually. I was tired. I can see that my interior, I was on the verge of emptying. I didn't want to get empty and walk around with this red gas container and see that I'm burnt out. So I did what I needed to do. I stopped the work and I called a place, found this cabin upstate New York. The cabin overlooks this lake. It's very picturesque. It's serene. And I love the woods. And so I 
register for a couple of days. I'm going to go up there, take my Bible. I'm going to spend time and pray. I'm going to lay out on the floor. I'm going to recharge. I took some favorite books. And I'm going by myself. No wife, no kids, no one, just me. And when I got there, drove up to New York a couple of hours, got there, man, sat down. I got some groceries and, and you know, some coffee. Uh, yeah, and and I'm, I'm all set. And so that evening, I didn't do anything. The next morning, I got up ready to go into prayer. And as I'm kneeling down, I like to kneel in front of a chair and just pray. And as I'm kneeling and I'm praying, I hear this noise. And, and in fact, let me introduce you to a friend. There was this crazy mouse interrupting my prayer. Couldn't even concentrate. Check him out. This mouse was so crazy. He's a New York mice. I mean, a New York mouse. I, I was trying to kill him. I grabbed the broom and I was chasing him all over the place and I couldn't get him. And then when I go back into prayer, he comes back out. And in fact, one time he ran right onto my legs. So I got so crazy. I'm saying, I'm going to kill this, this, this mouse. And I, I couldn't kill him. And he had an attitude. I'm a New Yorker. He's a New Yorker. We're going to take somebody. I'm taking, I'm taking him out. He's trying to take me out. And he won. I had to leave the cabin. I said, I didn't have enough of this. Now, I still believe in the idea of rest and getting away, but I'm not going to get away to that cabin any longer. You know what Jesus was saying when he's telling us to get away and to take rest? He was also telling us to get alone. It's, let's go to a quiet place, he said. See, when you're alone, it gives you a chance to listen. We live in a noisy world, a lot of social media. So listen, what are you listening for? You're listening to God's heart. You're listening for what God is saying. You're listening for what God is saying to you. I love what theologian and author Henry Nguyen once said. A life without a lonely place, that is, without a quiet center, becomes destructive. Let me ask you the question. When was the last time you took a break? You got to get away, get alone, and get together. That's the other critical piece when you deal with the issue of rest. Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves. So part of rejuvenation, part of rest is the social connections of people that's not, they're not asking you questions to try to pick your brain. They're not looking to be mentored by you. They're not looking to be tutored. They're not individuals that are protégés. They are your peers, your contemporaries. And Jesus said to his disciples, guys, come with me by yourselves and get some rest. In other words, the work, rest, work, rest cycle must be something that you put in place. What we've learned already, tip number one, set limits. Tip number two, take breaks. Let's go back to the text again because there's something else here that I must bring to your attention. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. 
I highlighted that phrase, come with me. Why? Tip number three is recharge spiritually. There's something rejuvenative about the presence of God. There's something about when you're exhausted and you go into the presence of God in worship, in prayer, in church service, in fellowship with your brothers and sisters, when you get into reading the Word and you're sitting there, not in a hurry, not on this time saying to God, God, you got five minutes to speak to me. But no, you're spending time in the presence of God. There's something about it that just recharges you. Moses did that. When he came down from a mountain, being there for 40 days, he was recharged, 40 nights recharged. We recognize in the presence of God, you're reminded as to why you're doing what you're doing, why you're serving your family the way you are, why you're caring for your kids the way you are, why you're so thoughtful about your job, why you're so concerned about your spiritual life and your church and the advancement of the kingdom of God. When you're in the presence of God, you're reminded as to why You've fallen in love with Jesus. And in the presence of God, you know what you ask? God, help me to fall in love with you all over again, just like the first time. Jesus said to his guys, come with me. I've learned that there are different ways you access the manifest presence of God. Certainly God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. But the Bible teaches the manifest presence of God is equally real. God shows up at a specific place, among a specific people, at a specific time, and you can sense His presence there. What brings the manifest presence of God into your life? Maybe it's worship. That's what it did for Elisha. In 2 Kings 3, Elisha was angry when certain kings approached him for him to prophesy to them. And he said, Bring me a minstrel, a harpist, someone anointed to cry out to God. And when the harpist played, the presence of God came upon Elisha and he prophesied. Maybe you're like Elijah when you, manif- when you access the manifest presence of God. For Elijah, it was this sense of brutal honesty. In 1 Kings 19 verse 10, Elijah was overwhelmed. He was suicidal. He said, God, kill me now. I'm the only one left. And when he said that, his honesty of where he was, the Spirit of God showed up, the manifest presence of God. John Ortberg, he helps to frame the point I'm bringing out. He says, for the soul to be well, it needs to be with God. And I want you to know that you need to get into the presence of God. Set some time aside. And I'm not just talking about your devotional time daily. Maybe you need to have a special time on Friday, an hour. You just say, God, I just want to get with you. It may be an all-night prayer time. It also may be you now saying, you know, I need to come back to church Though I may be still socially distanced, I want to come back and be able to experience the presence of God in a manifest way. I'm not suggesting the Lord doesn't show up through this particular program to right where you are. He does. But sometimes what distracts is that you're 
you're doing multiple things while you're listening to me teach. And I'm saying to you that that doesn't go for you cultivating an atmosphere that says, I'm going to be recharged and rejuvenated because I'm going to be rejuvenated spiritually because of the presence of God. You can't, you're distracted. You're multitasking. And that, when you break focus and break concentration, it doesn't set you up for this experience of what recharging spiritually is supposed to do and supposed to occur for you. Jesus said to his guys, guys, let me offer you three tips so that you can be able to safeguard your mental health. And these tips are applicable to families. They're applicable to singles. They're applicable to children, adults, everybody. Set limits, take breaks, recharge spiritually. I want you to take a moment right now. Close your eyes, block out the world around you. And I want to ask you this very pointed question. What is it that you've been wanting to say to the Lord, but you've been too busy and you've not had a chance to say it. You've been washing clothes, parenting, caring for your family, doing your job. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to say it to the Lord. Here's my second question. What is it that perhaps the Lord has been wanting to say to you that you've been too distracted for Him to say it to you? In this moment, right now, I'm going to ask the Lord to speak to you, and I'm also asking you to speak to the Lord. Bow your heart with me. Holy God, thank you so much for how you love us. There have been things that you've been wanting to say to each of us, but we've been too busy and distracted. Father, in this moment, would you speak to us right now? Say it again, Lord, so it's clear in our hearts. And Father, there's some things that we've been wanting to say to you. And we've been way too busy, way too distracted. We've not had a chance to say it. In this moment, God, allow us to say this to you. Go ahead. Speak to the Lord right now. Father, help us to safeguard our mental health and the mental health of our families so that you're honored, so that we have healthy families and we can sustain our families in great mental health in the days and years that's ahead of us. I ask you this in the name of Jesus. If you've never before invited Jesus to be your Savior, you can see He cares for you. Now give Him the chance to forgive you of your sins and to become a part of your life. Would you repeat after me this word of prayer? Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. I give my life to you right here and right now. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Amen. If you just prayed that latter prayer with me, there's information and instruction on the screen right now. Would you follow the promptings, please? We have caring people standing by, ready, poised to help you 
grow in this new relationship that you've established moments ago with Jesus. I so look forward to our continuing to grow in mental health and us becoming people that advance God's kingdom. Have a great week.